With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. to take a stop in Croatia. No, no, I promise. No, it's just going to take a second. Okay. You ready, Lloyd? Let's do it. Hello and welcome to Talk Day! <laughs> it is November 10th, 2019, Season 3, Episode 45. I'm Eric Murphy, and today with me is Lloyd Evans. Hello. Yes. Yes. Delayed reaction there from the audience, <laughs> understandably so. Uh, you know what? You wouldn't think so. When I got here, <laughs> when I got here, the parking lot was packed. Yeah. And the studio audience was packed. And this building was packed to see you, my friend. Hired, hired people. Yeah, that's the secret. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm actually really, really excited to meet you. And for those of you who don't know Lloyd, um, let me go over some of your uh, <clears throat> bona fides here. So Should, Shouldn't take long, this. <laughs> So uh, you have a YouTube channel called John Cedars. Correct. Um, we're going to stick a pin in that. Yeah. Um, you also have a website called jwsurvey.org. What's that about? So that's a resource for helping Jehovah's Witnesses who are starting to doubt their beliefs, who are interested to know whether they're alone or whether there are others who feel the same way. All right. So Jehovah's Witnesses, we didn't even get into that. Who the hell are you? <laughs> I am an ex-Jehovah's <laughs> Witness. And... Um, an advocate and a speaker who is going out of his way and has put himself in harm's way to do so. And Unfortunately, that's the nature of the religion I'm speaking against. They will, you know, punish you, yeah. uh, if you if you do criticize them or fail or stop believing, shall we say, in, in the teachings. So that's unfortunately something I had to had to take on board when I got involved in this. Well, sir, I, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing. Thank you. uh, really, truly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's jwsurvey.org. There's a documentary in the works. Indeed. The Truth About the Truth. Uh, there's a Facebook group right now, facebook.com slash Film. We're popping it up on the lower third in case uh, you want to write that down, facebook.com slash Film. And let's go back to John Cedars. Yeah. You're not John Cedars. No. Well, you are John Cedars. Yeah. Okay, but you're not John Cedars. No. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> again, this is a this is an organization that that 
punishes people in a very profound way by arranging for you to be shunned so that everyone that you know and care about who is a Jehovah's Witness will stop talking to you and will pretend you don't exist. So if you do wake up from these beliefs and you decide that you have something to contribute to the conversation and you want to start making resources available, uh, it, it can be very difficult to do that under your real name. And so when I very when I first started doing the work that I'm doing, I created a pseudonym and the pseudonym was John Cedars. It will bore you with the reasons why I chose Cedars, but it has to do with an event in Jehovah's Witness history. And so I chose this pseudonym and then eventually I decided to out myself anyway. Okay. Um, and But I, I kept the name John Cedars for the YouTube channel just as like a a homage to the journey I've been on. So That's awesome, man. And he does have an amazing channel if you haven't subscribed to youtube.com slash John Cedars. Possibly the best channel on YouTube. Definitely check it out and subscribe. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not correcting you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have other YouTube friends, and so I, I can't say that you, I, I'm yeah. going to say we have to check that. it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no. Let's talk about you because you came out with a fucking book. That, that, I, I did do that. And it's right here. Yeah. It's the the reluctant apostate. Yeah. I, I don't know who the guy is on the front. Le- he needs a shave. Ah, he's, he's, he's got that, that rugged good looks. Yeah. <laughs> Leaving Jehovah's Witness comes at a price. Forward by Hemet Meta. Where can people pick up your book? On Amazon. In abundance. Uh, feel free to buy 10 copies each as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, this. so this was my attempt at writing down my experiences and sharing my story. But I, it seemed like a good opportunity to kind of interweave um, the, the Jehovah's Witness history and explain how the organization kind of evolved over decades and also explore some of the, some of the teachings and policies that have are controlling, you know, eight and a half million lives right now. So I've tried to kind of condense everything into one book, hence why it is so thick. Uh, but yeah, if, if you feel like something that can be both a book and a doorstop, <laughs> this is the book of choice. Well, I'm really, really excited and happy to, to push this. Uh, someday, someday. Oh, someday I'll have my book. But. Do it. Well, as, as Christopher Hitchens said, uh, there's a book in everyone, and in most cases, that's where it should stay. Uh, but I'm sure that's not true of you. Uh, I'm, I'm working on the book of Eric. I don't know what's going to happen after that. Do but, it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, so I think without further ado, I think we should dive into calls. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that you've seen the, the format of what we do. I have no idea what we're about to no? do. No? Oh, sweet baby Jesus. Yeah. This is going to be fun. Yeah. All right. Let's start with someone right here in Austin. Connor, you're live with Eric and Lloyd. Hey, Eric. Hey. Hey. You're in uh, Austin? I just want... Yeah. Why aren't you here? Uh, well, I might be out back. Oh, I think it might be someone who's calling in who's come and they're in the overspill. The call is coming from inside the building. Yeah, from among us. <laughs> <laughs> and Connor, there's a maniac right. laugh as well, even. <laughs> well, it, Connor, it, it says that you're theist, that you are a believer, and you had a question for us. What did you want to ask? Well... First off, I want to start by saying I tried calling in last week. It was actually about uh, the first call you had last week, and he went a little bit over his experience with, uh, you know, that phase where uh, so many go through about where they feel they've been uh, lied to about all the uh, different religious beliefs they've had growing up. Mm -hmm. 
And so uh, I just wanted to try and add or try and provide a uh, a perspective on on what not to change anyone's uh, minds on what they on their own conclusions on those uh, beliefs they feel that towards, well, but to provide a perspective to help them uh, try and come out of the uh, experience with a more uh, positive or at least neutral. Uh, feeling towards uh, what they've uh, gone through. Can can I ask you a question, and, Connor? Yes. Does it matter? Well, I mean, just so... I, I mean, mean, not to change anyone's mind, but... To, well, hold on. D- I, I, d- does what they conclude matter? No, no, it's not what they conclude that's, uh, that I'm talking about. Okay. It's just, I would think as someone who's a believer, having been a believer, that, I don't know, coming up with the right answer to the God question was important, and that would that would matter, right? Well, no, that's not what I'm trying to call in about. Okay, we'll put a pin in that. I one. was just, <laughs> I was just trying to, uh, per, you know, go over the background of, yeah, because going from uh, one religion to another, I kind of like had a similar experience with uh, having felt uh, lied to about certain uh, religious beliefs. You know, that's, the, that's what I'm trying to uh, talk about, the, that uh, particular subject. Okay. What, what, and so, what, like, did, what did you come from and what did you move to? I used to be a Christian and went to a Baha'i faith, but that's not the, uh, the, the point I'm trying to talk about. And so uh, I was... What did I you move to? to uh, the Baha'i the faith? Baha'i oh, you moved to the Baha'i faith? Yeah. Okay. I, th- I Gotcha. Thank you. I'm listening. Don't All worry, right. Connor. I'm listening. Uh, it, I, I can't even <laughs> blame the hair. Really, I, I can't even blame the hair. You've got these luxurious locks, and yeah, Connor, go ahead. <laughs> so the only the so for my experience is all I can uh, attest to was going through a similar thing and having felt uh, so lied to and all that, and going through that angry phase. Like to to uh, try and come to a, a more uh, at least neutral, if not positive, uh, outlook on the experience afterwards was to keep in was to try and keep in mind uh has anyone actively or intentionally lied to me about anything or is it just uh they were also a subject to misconceptions that you had just been uh held around for so long that they actually do because they believe themselves so it was just to provide a perspective to help others who are going through uh yeah the experience and uh, I think Connor might be talking here about anger, um, which is what ex-believers of various different groups may feel when they first get out. They may feel that they take it very personally, in fact, that they were lied to or manipulated or exploited in some way. And, and Connor, you seem to be referring to, to that anger. And it's obviously very easy and straightforward to direct it at people who, you know, specific individuals, let's say the person who introduced you to a religion or a person who introduced your family members to a religion, when in fact there's far more to it than that. Of course, there's a vast infrastructure, there's a history, there's an organisation, there are many, many reasons why the, the, the religion is as it, as it is today. So it's about finding perspective, I guess, is what you're saying, and rather than focusing on, on individuals. Have I interpreted you correctly? Right. It's just to uh, add a perspective to help others, uh, just to consider as they go through it as well, to provide a more, uh, or at least try to help them come to a more uh, positive outlook. Well, that they don't have to just go through that uh, as through such negativity I, well, if they don't need to. I think that there's a time and a place for it. 
and yeah. where it is appropriate is with the the system that created it in the first place. Mm. Because um, you know, it's it's one thing to abuse a person, but it's another thing to teach someone to abuse others and teach them to teach people to abuse others. And that's how you systematize abuse. And and you're right. It's not necessarily the people that were interacting with you, but it was perpetuating a system of abuse. And there is a there is a very real cost to it. Lloyd, would you attest that there's a very real cost to it? Yeah, and it's kind of even more chilling that the people who were roping you into it thought that they were doing the right thing. They, they thought that they were doing you a favor. And you find out that, no, they really weren't doing me a favor. They were, you know, impacting my life in a very negative way. And in, in my own case, I'm able to kind of take all that negativity and try and turn it into a positive through my activism. Not every ex-witness or ex-member of a destructive group is has that opportunity so that they're, 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 they're lumbered with all of this toxicity and, and all of these residual uh, effects from their indoctrination and it can be very difficult to process those feelings so it sounds like Connor in his own way is trying to figure out a way of navigating through uh, those feelings of anger and frustration. Well, and, and, and maybe just trying to share it. I, I, Connor, I, I absolutely agree with you that uh, leveling that at a person and demeaning a human um, isn't going to get you there. You know, people deserve respect. Ideas do not. And and could we right. agree? Could we agree on that, Connor? Well, I guess I want to clarify that it's not to try and like uh, convince people that oh, this is the conclusion you have to come to. Like, yes, I understand that. Like y'all just described, there are so many different factors. The the point of this was just to uh, bring up a perspective that sure. Uh, after talking with uh, a lot of people who've gone through this, like maybe just uh, that doesn't really seem to be something considered a lot. But if they still come to the other conclusions after having considered that, then uh, I can't really uh, make them come to the same conclusion I have. I, I think what I'm saying, though, Connor, is that just because they've come to a conclusion doesn't mean it's a healthy conclusion and doesn't mean it's a right conclusion. Or deserving of respect. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, no. For example, oh, no. um, this morning I went down this rabbit hole of anti-vax mom groups and I just couldn't stop. A literal rabbit hole of anti-vax. Holy crap! I didn't realize they had those in Texas. <laughs> it, well, no. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. Well, but you're not in Texas. You're in Austin right now. You're safe. Okay. Um, but uh, it, I just want to clarify, we seem to be a bit on two different pages. I'm only, uh, discussing this, like from how, uh, like atheists are now, like, yeah, they still, uh, come to see that it's, it's something that they view as like a more negative force on society. Well, because it is. Than theists would. Right. Well, so, so Connor, I, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to say your point is not valid. Well, I, I appreciate that you're validating my feelings. Now, if we can validate the reasoning behind um, propping up, you know, systems of abuse, that, that, that's really what I'm trying to get to is, you know, I, I brought up this, this mom's group because there are these caring, loving mothers who are systemically teaching each other that they can get done with essential oils, what should be getting done with vaccines. Mm -hmm. And while they truly think it, they're not trying to hurt their children. And I don't think that you should be angry at the moms. You should be angry at the system. You should treat it with education. In the same way, I think that when it comes to religiosity and the epistemic roots of how people understand and get to where uh, they can they can parse that information, 
right? You, you counter that with education. And you wouldn't say, oh, all these mums have arrived at this position, this position works well for them, who are we to doubt what it is that they're doing when what, when what they're doing could realistically cause someone, cause a child to die. Or cause a measles outbreak. Indeed. So it's, it's not uh, enough uh, to, su- to, to suggest that there shouldn't be any pushback at all. Sure. I mean, does that perspective help as well? You know, sharing back with you? Yeah, I think that clarifies where what y'all are saying. And uh, I'm not trying to say that it's the institutions. What I'm talking about is like this perspective is for people to uh, think about it with others, like family and friends, like a way to like help them with their personal relationships, not necessarily with the institution itself. I'm definitely down for thinking about things rather than simply talking. I agree with you there. I thank you. Yeah, for- I wasn't. I wasn't trying to do an overall defense of the institutions themselves. I'm glad because <laughs> you would lose. <laughs> well, it would be a fun conversation. It, it, we, we'd have some meat to dig into, but Connor, I'm not going to strawman you. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for calling in, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your time here at the Atheist Community of Austin, Connor. I uh, yeah. I, I have a Christian apologist friend who came to the ACA, and he had this expectation that he was going to get jumped on. Uh, how have you been treated here so far? Oh, it's wonderful. Good, good. That's how it should be. We now send the hounds. <laughs> we wait. Yes, release the hounds. We wait. All right. Yeah. Take care, brother. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. That is an impressive <laughs> laugh. I want to develop that laugh in my it's, everyday life. It's kind of, it, it's, it's, it's infectious, isn't it? It is. Almost, yeah. almost like a... Like a Sorry, I was going to make a vaccine joke, yeah, and I yeah, just don't I was going to leave don't it. Yeah, there. no, I'm, I'm, you know what? Moving on. Took a breath. I'm better. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, let's move on to who would you rather talk to? Do you have a, a a pick, or I'll pick? You pick. I'll pick the next one. Brandon in Arizona. Wow, it sounds like you're in a wind tunnel. Are you there? Sounds like a, I'm in a wind tunnel again, huh? Hold on, let me do this. Ooh. Better. Way better. I like it. My apologies. So. That's all good. You called before, right? We've uh, talked a couple times. I don't uh, know if you remember. I'm the guy that uh, my position is that prophecy proves that God is real and, and that uh, you know Jesus is God. I had plan. no idea about that, so I'm anxious to hear how this pans out. Well, I, I'm, in, I'm anxious to see how this is different from the last call. Yeah, you don't well, uh, you, you don't know, get I mean, to just repeat the same argument. You have to give us something new, something fresh, something will, that will make us go, hmm. Sure, that's, uh, you know, I'm just trying to point out, you know, and that's also why I recommended you check out that Dave Hunt documentary on uh, Israel, uh, you know, Israel, Armageddon. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to watch that or not. Well, so did you, did I go over the Texas sharpshooter fallacy with you? The what? Ah, gotcha. Okay. Uh, so just imagine um, you're driving down the highway and you see all of these barns, you know, you're, you're out in the country. And um, as you're passing, uh, you, you see one barn where there are these um, concentric circles, there are these bullseyes painted on the barn. And in the exact center is an arrow. And, and you, get, you get curious. And so you go and you knock on the door and you say, oh, my gosh, how do you have this amazing accuracy? And they say, I'll show you. And they, they take you out and they shoot an arrow at the barn and they walk up with a can of paint and paint concentric circles around it. Um, it's a when you post hoc go in, um, you can make a lot of things fit. And that's why prophecy, that's one of the reasons why prophecy is so, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't hold water. Um, do, you, do you know how skepticism works, Brandon? Sure. 
how does skepticism work? Because I think I think you might be surprised. Well, uh, you know, I'd be curious to hear your definition, but I mean, it, to me, it's just you know somebody that uh, you know uh, needs to see it to believe it, basically. Not quite. Not quite. Uh, so I'm not a fan of Descartes, but I'm going to give you just a little quick snippet uh, because he did do something uh, that really helped skepticism. He, he he went through this process and he said, how do I know those things that I, I think I, I know? He, he wanted to come to this, this capital T truth conclusion about things. And so he said, well, can I trust my senses? Okay, well, what if I'm dreaming, right? If I'm dreaming, is there anything that I can know? Well, what about, you know, math? Uh, well, is there any way math could be? And he broke those things down. And the way he did it is by going, well, how can this be wrong? And that's kind of the system that we've wound up using um, in science is we, we, we get to a place and then we try to break it down because we want it to stand up to, to reality. And so when you say, okay, here's a prophecy, and I say, well, here's how it could be wrong, what I'm saying is you can't say it has to be this way when it could also be one of the others. And there needs to be an evaluation. And so as you're presenting these prophecies, I want you to understand I'm not trying to be an asshole and be contrarian. What I'm saying is that the idea that there's no other option but you know this fulfilled prophecy, I'm, I'm trying to show you ways that it could be. Sure. No, I, I get where you're coming from. So, but I mean, I think that, uh, you know, it's just my, I'm just using prophecy as, as one angle, basically, to prove that, you know, because I mean, you and I, I hope you and I can both agree that if, if everything that you've learned turns out to be a lie, then what knowledge have you obtained? You know what I mean? Truth is, is very important. Wouldn't you agree? I think Absolutely. truth is important for all of us, or we wouldn't, frankly, be doing this show if we were, if we didn't care about what's true. I, sure. Brandon, I didn't hear your original call, um, so you'll have to forgive me. I'm at a slight disadvantage, but I would be in... Well, there's two things I have to say to your argument as I understand it, but before I launch into that, I am interested to know if there's kind of like a magic bullet prophecy that you think is unassailable that is it's your go-to example of of a prophecy that proves that god exists what would it be sure yeah my you know my go-to is uh daniel chapter 9 prophecy where uh you know you can prove uh outside of the bible the date that artaxerxes made the decree for jerusalem to be rebuilt and then it, you know it says in the prophecy that exactly from that day 483 years later, which is 173,880 days, yeah, I, the I, Messiah will enter the street, the gates of Jerusalem yeah, on I, an ass. I understand it, the premise. Uh, who do you think wrote Daniel? Uh, you know, Daniel. Is that what Bible scholars say? Uh, I mean, as far as I know, yeah, Dan, I don't know. Uh, I've never heard any argument against uh, Daniel being the 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 author of the book of Daniel. The fact that you haven't heard any arguments against the idea that the the Bible, the Bible book bearing the name Daniel was literally written by Daniel would indicate to me that there's some ground to be made up in terms of examining Bible scholarship. Because what Bible scholars do is they look at the Bible and they say, okay, where did this document or series of documents come from? 
who wrote it, why did they write it, when did they uh, write it. And what you'll find is that in case after case, including the book of Daniel, these are collaborative efforts that span vast periods of time, where rather than it being, oh, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write the book of Daniel in a few months, it happens over a number of years. And, you know, information after the fact gets added. So... That's the first sure, issue I, I, I have. Sure, I deal with a with, lot of Muslims that make that argument, so the, I hear where you're coming. That's the first issue I have with pretty much any prophetic example that you would care to come up with. But I, I think that your argument is fundamentally wrong for another reason, and that's that just because someone writes something that ends up being true, well, number one, it could be a coincidence. I, I grant you that it's un, unlikely to be a coincidence, but that's at least one um, explanation. Another explanation is that maybe they're a time traveler. That doesn't, you know, they, they maybe they have technology that enables them to move through time. Wouldn't mean necessarily that there's any God involved. And if there were a God involved, if, if God inspired Daniel to make this prediction about Artaxerxes, but he has nothing whatsoever to say, think or do about preventing the death of 9 million Jews in the Holocaust... I'm not particularly interested in getting to know this God. So uh, I'm just curious, I mean, what what empirical evidence do we have for time travel? I'm not saying that there is time travel. I'm giving you an example of how. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. I I, I muted myself because I I was coughing. Brandon, what empirical evidence do we have of omnipotence? Well, uh, I mean, you know, the evidence to me is, you know, I mean, if Jesus was telling the truth about Stop. who he claimed no. to be. No, no, I don't grant that premise. No, I don't grant that premise. Try again. Well, is, How do you empirically? Yeah, I don't care about okay. if. I'm asking you to empirically prove omnipotence. How do you know that that's a thing that exists? Uh, you know, I have to go on, uh, you know, Jesus's claims. Okay, so we've got Jesus's claims. So Jesus said it, and I believe him. How about omniscience? Well, again, you know, oh, I'm going yeah. off of, of Jesus's claim. Sure. Okay. How about the resurrection? Um, uh, no, hold on. Uh, omnipresence. Uh, Omnibenevolence. Again, it's, yeah, I mean, miracles. You know, Jesus proved all of that. If he was telling the truth if about the, who he claimed to be, you're, you're right. He proved now, it. That's a tautology. You're saying if the book is true, then it's true. Cool story, bro. Brandon. I don't understand how you're holding this standard of evidence for one side and not the other. The fact is, let's take those and put them on a scale and then see what evens out on the scale, right? We'll put omnipotence, omnipresence, omnibenevolence, omniscience, right, on one side and time travel on the other. In the grand scale of most likely, which do you think is more likely? Because I guarantee you a time traveler doesn't have to be all-seeing, all-loving, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-ever-present. So wouldn't time travel be more likely? Not, not you know, I, uh, not to me anyway. Why? As far as you know, there's there's no way to go back in the past. What's done is done. You're right, and there's no way to be all powerful, all loving, all all, all ever present, uh, ever invisible. Uh, uh, you know th- those things but, that are I ascribed mean, the, to the Christian the Jesus God. Jesus is the strong argument against what you're claiming. That uh, you know, I mean, if he, I'm not if he really you, is God. What? There's, there's been a bit of drift in the argument here because we've gone from prophecy to what Jesus did or didn't say. Uh, you know, if you're going to give us multiple lines of argument in favor of theism, then that's that's fine. But I think we'd rather take one at a time. And your initial argument was that prophecy proves that God exists. And the answer is, well, no, it doesn't because 
the prophecy can be edited after the fact. And also, there are other ways that something could happen that wouldn't that would ne- wouldn't necessarily include there being a God. So we kind of answered your question, and now you seem to be drifting onto yes, but Jesus said this. I mean, Occam's razor cuts it off. But he fulfilled all of these, uh, you know, Old Testament. I, I mean, you guys know that the Septuagint was 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 uh, you translated two hundred and fifty years. Brandon, have you heard about Alma? Have you heard about Alma and uh, the story in Matthew about Jesus being born of a virgin? And have you studied sure. where the where the word virgin comes from? It was a mistranslation in the Septuagint because whoever wrote Matthew, and here's a little lesson for you, the books Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John weren't written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are assigned names. That were you, sure, even if you I read even if you read Matthew, it doesn't say, "Hey, I'm Matthew, and I'm writing this." So whoever wrote Matthew, to whoever whoever wrote Matthew, uh, used the Septuagint as a basis, and in the Septuagint, the writer of the Septuagint mistranslated from the original Hebrew the word "woman" into "alma," uh, sorry, which was <laughs> "alma" into "virgin." And because of this mistranslation, the writer of Matthew then had to go to this elaborate story where Jesus gets born without there being any semen involved. Well, the, the, the King James Bible was not translated from the Septuagint. In fact, King James... Uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking rules. about the way that Matthew was written. Whoever wrote Matthew, and it wasn't Matthew, but whoever wrote Matthew was basing what they were writing on the Septuagint. And your argument was... That, oh, well, Jesus fulfilled all these prophecies. And here you have a clear example if you apply Bible scholarship and higher criticism, which quite frankly, it seems you are not versed in. There are clear examples when you study the actual words of the writers coming up with ways in which Jesus had fulfilled prophecies. It's, a, it's kind of a clue when it actually says in the book, Jesus did this so that this prophecy would be fulfilled. Jesus did this so that this prophecy would be fulfilled. Doesn't that make you a little bit suspicious that maybe, just maybe, they're making it all up just to tick a few boxes that were made for them by whoever wrote the Hebrew Scriptures. And incidentally, we know more about the writers of the Hebrew Scriptures than we know about the writers of the Greek Scriptures. These guys are ghosts. We don't know anything about, really, about who wrote them. And so for you to be hinging all of these arguments on a literalistic interpretation of the Bible, which seems to be devoid of any understanding of Bible scholarship, it can be a bit frustrating. Well, I mean, I do have some uh, understanding of Bible mm. scholarship, and I agree. The the on the New Testament, the Gospel according to Matthew, according to Mark, according to Luke, we do. I do agree; those were not, you know, uh, directly written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, you know, uh, uh, I'm not arguing with you there. But now, when it comes to Old Testament. Uh, scriptures. Now we're, we're, you know, we're talking about a different animal here. Uh, uh, We're again straying a little bit. So your initial argument was prophecy proves that God exists. We gave you an example of how that's not true of the Old Testament. And then you start giving us examples in the New Testament. And I give you an example of how that's not true either. So you, you seem to just kind of be prevaricating a little bit at this point. I feel we've answered the question. Well, tell me, what do you think the, the probability or possibility of Jesus fulfilling the prophecy of Daniel chapter 9, J 
to the exact day, 173,000... There's an excellent probability. There's an excellent probability if some unknown dude gets to write whatever the hell they want and not be identified and they can write after the fact, there are infinite possibilities for that sort of thing to happen. Well, scholars say that it was... Uh, I don't young think you Daniel really know what scholars 600 say. 600 years before Jesus was even born. I'm yeah. not convinced you know that much about what scholars say on this. But with that, Brandon, that is the exact thing that you called about last time. Um, mm. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave the door open for you to call back. But if, it hasn't sh- but if you haven't shown that you haven't listened and at least given it some due consideration, uh, you will not be allowed to call back. Um, that is your homework. I hope that you pick it up because I'd love to have more conversations than how did you know when you were, you were told exactly that. You were given that more than once. I'd love for you to actively listen, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't feel that your reply is, uh, you know. I, I, obviously, because it doesn't back up your conclusion. So we're going to move on. I hope that you check it out. I hope to hear back from you. That is the prerequisite that I'm popping on you, though. You are not allowed to talk to us again until you can actually give us something new, something different, and show that you've listened. Because we need to give other callers a chance to come in. You can't just have the same argument again and again. Sure. Let's keep things fresh. It's the same reason Altangelo is banned from this show. Yeah. I'm I'm working on being banned. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> Brandon, take All care. All right, man. very good. And you know, I just don't find it, your answer acceptable. But I, sure. I would be very surprised if you did. Take care. How did that feel? <laughs> that was very interesting, right? I, it's actually there's a lot of similarities here to talking to JWs. That same kind of sense of taking things very literally and not considering nuance and the possibility that maybe scholars know more about this than, you know, their pastor knows. So, yeah, it's a shame. Well, and, and there, there are appeals to the they. Yeah. They want you to do this. And it's just not, it, it, it just doesn't get us anywhere. I do feel for Brandon, though. I, I think that the sincerity there. and Absolutely. We, I, I would go as far as to say that we're all equally interested in what's true and what's not true. I I think Brandon's going to get more answers when he when he broadens his list of resources than simply what his pastor's telling him. I I disagree with you. Oh, I do, and so I I agree with you in the honesty part part mm. of it. You know, I think he's reaching into his toolbox and pulling out a faulty tool. Mm. Um, now that said, I do absolutely feel that there are a lot of people who dedicate their lives to a thing, mm. and. Um, you know, it's it's this idea of the sunk cost fallacy, right? That you can you can sink so much into it that um, it's just easier to um, find ways to back up your own claims than yeah. to try and accept and, and wrap your head around. Uh, one of the most awkward conversations I ever had was with somebody who um, uh, said that they spoke in tongues at church, uh, and so I was talking to them and they were being honest and open with me, and I said, "So I don't think that's happening." So how do you think that looks for me? If there's no angel possessing you and speaking through you, the thing you're doing, and he, he just stopped and he got pale, you know, and, and, and he, you saw the, uh, you know, the blue screen, you know, and restart. <laughs> and it took a little bit. But you know what? I, I would go to the whole, I, my approach to that sort of thing would be, assuming you're right, of what possible use would this be? What what functional reason could there be for making someone speak gibberish? It doesn't <laughs> fulfill any functional role, you know. I, I absolutely agree, yeah. um, but it's it's the idea of you know not wanting to investigate it because that yeah. might um, might mean that you've been rather silly. You're emotionally invested in absolutely. it being true. 
I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Um, let's move on. Did you find somebody? All right. Let's move. <laughs> Can I choose one? Absolutely. Who'd you find? I want to speak to the ex-Mormon. Ooh. Feel so I might is... have something in common. All right. Then let's talk to Lane in Utah. Lane, you're live with Eric and hey, Lloyd. I... How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Thanks for taking the call. Hello. It's, it's, hey. it's down to me, basically. I chose you, so you're welcome. <laughs> well, I, I particularly enjoy that you chose me because it was actually some of your YouTube videos that helped me get out some six to nine months ago. Oh, so. fantastic. Yay! Wonderful. High five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously. I appreciate it. Small victories. Um, Small victories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, anytime you Google something Mormon-related, Joe is when his stuff comes up, so it's just kind of the way it is. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about? But yeah, so... Yeah, so it's my question. So um, several times on, I, I don't know if it was particularly this channel or, or or not. I know I think I've heard Matt say it a couple times, but that the Mormon church is, is so obviously false when compared to other religions. Usually I've heard it lumped in with Scientology. And the funny, the, the funny irony to that is that when I was a missionary, I, I remember reading several books, specifically one called The Great Apostasy that was written by a, uh, a Mormon apostle. And it, to me, it was like, oh, the Catholic Church is so obviously false. You know, they have three popes at one time. Um, and uh, same thing with Jehovah's Witnesses. Like, oh, they messed up the prediction of the end of the world. So my question was, why, why do outsiders, when I say outsiders, I mean non, non-Mormons, look at Mormons in that light? What's the... What's the argument behind that? It, I, just to, so I can be absolutely clear, we've labelled your call that you are an ex-Mormon, and, and your question is yeah. why? Why do? Why would outsiders find it ridiculous that yeah, some dude uncovered some golden others. plates in a wood and used a stone and managed to come up with a book? And oh, I've I, I've seemed to have misplaced the golden plates, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, just just help me understand where you're coming from with this. Yeah, totally. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm playing a bit of devil's advocate here right. because obviously I don't believe any of that stuff. But what what's interesting to me is that it seems more ridiculous to everyone else than, than other religions when, to, to me, even after having left the faith, it seems fairly equally ridiculous Yeah. Um, when compared to the Old Testament or, or even just compared to other um, more modern religions like Jehovah's Witnesses or, or whatever. I, I actually think that the the Book of Mormon is is an excellent kind of example in microcosm of how a, a quote-unquote sacred text can just be manufactured and immediately taken seriously. And if this can happen of a document that was written under such clearly dubious circumstances in the 19th century, why shouldn't the same be true of documents that were found or were being circulated in the Middle East centuries ago? So I actually, I find it fascinating. It's a great example to point to of of people just immediately investing uh, trust in a document just because a charismatic leader or set of leaders in the case of Christianity say this is God's word and and people somehow are able to, to fall for it for reasons that, uh, you know, I've gone into in the past. But, yeah, people are able to follow along with that sort of uh, idea, ideology. Sure. So one of, one of the struggles that 
so originally, I mean, we can assume that in the beginning of the church, you know, whoever, whoever fell for whatever Joseph Smith was selling, you know, was it was probably more due to his charisma than, than anything else. But obviously no one these days would have had that kind of contact with him. And, and for people like me, it was just that, you know, you, you're brought up knowing that or being taught that the Book of Mormon is true. Um, and in order to get out, you have to be able to prove to yourself that it's not true. Yeah. Right. Which is obviously something that's basically impossible. We can't prove that there's no God. We have no good reason to assume there is. But um, um, almost. Yeah. It depends. What, what, like if you believe that there's a God that lives in your pocket that you can take out and introduce to people, we can look in your pockets. Um, so in that okay, way, in that way, um, there there are ways that you can test depending on the God claim. Just I think I think if you're throwing that out, if your introduction <laughs> to Mormonism is mom is through Mormon parents. Um, your the likelihood of you taking it seriously is going to be infinitely more likely than if your introduction to Mormonism is South Park, uh, and and that's right. That's Absolutely. that's the the basic uh, mechanics of of how religion works. Really, it's through child indoctrination, which you, if you think about it, is a deeply exploitative way of of perpetuating wrong ideas by. Um, hijacking the developmental stage of, of children and and embedding this coding when they're too young to apply critical thinking. Yeah. Sure, which, I mean, that applies, to, I mean, obviously that applies to every religion. I, I guess my contention um, and, and kind of the point I'm trying to make here is, for, for instance, just looking at the Book of Mormon, um, it's hard, it was hard for me, you know, nine months or so when I actually decided to leave the church um, it was hard to look at the Book of Mormon and prove that it was, or, or look at it and say this this is obviously false when compared to the Old Testament and and the New Testament because, especially in the Mormon Church, we look at those other texts in the Bible and say, you know, these were mistranslated. That's why there's all these ridiculous things in there that make no sense. Um, so there's actually an explanation for the contradictions. But the Book of Mormon, you know, being written in more modern times by Joseph Smith, while obviously it still has ridiculous things, it New actually fights. seems to me. <laughs> The Amalekites, yeah, exactly. the, the anti-Nephites. Yeah. contradictory. Well, yeah. um, so I, I think I'm going to probably sound like a broken record by the end of today. Education, education, education. It's providing resources. Um, so there are some amazing resources that, out, that are out there. The ex-Mormon community is growing and it is fucking awesome. Um, there are podcasts that I try to listen to whenever I get the chance, including uh, the My Book of Mormon podcast. Um, there are uh, websites like uh, Mormon Leaks and um, Mormon Stories podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, the more people investigate and talk about it, the more that we can help give the, those kinds of educational tools. Um, but I, I think that's probably the best way we're going to get through it because nobody want. You know the 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 saying, right? Um, being wrong feels exactly like being right. You know, if you say, oh, this is ridiculous, um, it can cause people to become more entrenched. And it's hard to kind of look back at your own history and go, I can't believe I, I, I saw it that way. But what you need to do is you need to practice some, some, um, some self-introspection. Well, it's, it's not just introspection. It's forgiveness. Yeah. It's, it's care. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, it's okay. You know, it, it because it takes a long time, and, and Lane, this may or may not apply to you, um, but because it takes time to to work through it, um, some compassion for yourself is all right too. It's okay to believe absurd things if that's the, the only information you had to go on. Yeah, 
But um, with that said, um, we're glad you, we're glad you called in. Alrighty. Um, so who are we going to talk to? <gasps> Ooh, let's talk to John in Georgia. John, you're live with Eric and Lloyd. Hey. How are you doing? I'm good, Eric. How are you? Doing all right. Say hi to Lloyd. I feel left out, John. You need to say hello to me as well. Well, uh, <laughs> Lloyd, how are you doing? Thank you, John. I'm doing well. We're all introduced. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Lloyd, I hope you don't uh, do me like you did the uh, call about Parsley. You kind of got on him a little bit. hope you take it easy on me. I'm gonna go in all guns blazing, John. You, you'd better. Oh, we're, 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 better hey, thank you. we're doing the good cop, bad cop. I'm gonna protect you, and then he's yeah. just gonna come in okay. and like throw the coffee cup against the wall and and, and shine the light in your face. Okay, I will. I'm warming up. <laughs> I'm, I'm warming up for the atheist experience. Oh no, is that it? <laughs> we're the nice show. Okay, no, Johnny, you're good, um, brother. What did you want to talk about? Okay, I would consider myself a believer, but I guess weak. I'm not too strong into it okay but i uh often hear a lot of atheists and eric i i'm kind of familiar with you but not a lot i uh, kind of like the fact that you know a lot about the bible uh but i hear a lot of atheists talk about there's no evidence no evidence and i've always wondered what would the evidence look like for 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 atheists what would you be looking for well it depends on the claim right well, yeah. So, so how about we talk about a mundane claim first, right? Okay. Um, so, I, 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 I'm sitting here holding a piece of paper. Uh, it has handwriting on it. Beautiful it looks like notes uh, for uh, possibly a talk, and I don't know who wrote it, uh, but I can take a, a pretty good guess if the if the claim was that Lloyd wrote it, then evidence to that would be pointing to. Him having written it, right? And I, so let's let's go over that evidence. Um, it's sitting right where he was when he was giving the talk in our speaker series just about an hour and a half ago. Um, I know there are the, bookmarks on it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know the production crew, and I know that uh, I know their handwritings, and this isn't it. Um, and it has a lot to do with what was on the talk. So. I would consider this pretty strong evidence for having been written by Lloyd. What, what would you say about that? Uh, I would say that's a probably perfect analogy. Yeah. But um, let's say I'm wrong. Could I be wrong? You could. Um, sure. Uh, possibly. Sure. Will I burn in hell forever if I'm wrong? No, I would say not. <laughs> so I, I definitely think that claims that are less mundane and more extraordinary definitely are going to require some evidence that's going to to really substantiate that claim, right? So instead yeah. of someone having written a note, uh, a miracle, let's talk about a miracle. Well, the very first thing you need to do is let's let's talk about the, the claims of miracles in the Bible after we establish that miracles can happen in the first place, right? Um, and, and that would be good evidence because if you could prove miracles— then that would definitely substantiate, okay, well, may, were, were the claims in the Bible miracles? And and go across that way. Do I know what it would look like? Dude, I have no idea. Well, I'm glad you said, um, and I'm sorry for interrupting. No, go ahead. I'm talking a lot. Go for it. Okay. Um, I'm glad you said something about prove miracles. I might be a believer, but I'm not one of those who say you can prove God or prove miracles. And I'm kind of um, interested in uh, what you said there. 
See, I don't really think you can prove miracles. I think maybe you can show there's a high possibility. Would that be okay? I think it all depends on uh, the, well, there's the well-worn phrase, extraordinary claims require extraordinary ev evidence. How big is the claim? Yeah. Um, and if it's a really, really big claim, then you're going to need really, really compelling evidence. So let's say, for example, that someone's eyesight um, uh, improves immediately after they've prayed um, to be relieved of their malady. Um, they could think sincerely and probably would think that that is an answer to their prayers. But there are, you know, medically speaking, it's possible that there's just been some kind of remission happen. Um, oh, yeah. It, it, and it certainly would make more sense for there to be a medical explanation for this happening that just coincidentally happened to align with the prayer than that there is a supernatural being who is running the cosmos, specifically interested in affairs on planet Earth to the point of decreeing in the Old Testament that people who are attracted to the same sex ought to die at Leviticus 20.13 and is interested in policing, you know, what goes on in, in people's bedchambers and goodness knows what. Um, it, it, when, you, when you start to kind of examine and drill down into, into what theism entails... I, the the possibility of of, of, a, of a medical explanation for something like someone's eyesight being healed around the same time that they pray be, becomes far more appealing than the prospect that we're all just kind of pawns in some cosmic game that's being played, and that we're the kind of playthings of this of this monster who, as I mentioned to a previous caller, has a lot to say about I don't know shellfish. And, and and what kinds of sex are okay and not okay, but seems perfectly fine to watch nine million die in the in the Holocaust. So my issue, if I were coming from your perspective, would be what's the end game here? You know, where does theism take us in terms of explaining the universe? Because bottom line, if theism is true, for me personally, it makes the the universe a far more messed up and complicated thing uh, or place to exist than it would be if if we're if there are naturalistic uh, elements in play and we, and we are the product of nature rather than you know the the design of a theist entity yeah well um i know you have other uh, colors but if i could just uh, say one one thing real quick um does that sorry? Just before we move on, does that kind? Do you understand a little bit more where we're coming from when I explain it that way? Have I have I expressed myself clearly? I'm English, you see. I'm oh, oh yes, sir. Just to I, I present do. well. <laughs> um, being from the south and and people believe here, I kind of do like to ask them. You know, why do you believe in God? Yeah. And the number one answer I always get is, "I was raised that way." And you know, to be honest with you, I don't do not like that answer because the Muslim was raised in his religion. Yeah, so, right. I mean, there you go. <laughs> sometimes I think I'm the only one who gets it down here. Well, so you know, but, uh, I, I actually know yeah. that there are some incredible atheist skeptic groups in Georgia, um, and okay. I definitely hop online and check it out. Um, I know that Recovering from Religion, their hotline project, um, does have some information as well that can help point you out that way. John, you're not alone, man. Mm -hmm. And um, it's absolutely okay to explore that. 
Um, and I'm glad oh, yeah. that you are. It, it, it comes from a very, very strong place of intellectual honesty to take a look at your own beliefs and question them. It takes a lot to do it, and we're glad that you're doing it. Well, thank you. And last thing before I go. Um, yeah, what's up? We have uh, talk and call-in radio shows down here like this one, but I don't know what uh, pub, uh, public political affiliation you are, but down here we're Republican. Or they are. I'm sorry, I'm not. And you call in. I've called in their shows before, and Republicans to me uh, just are not open. And just, if uh, yeah, I can use this word, assholes. Yeah. I'm sorry, but and it's kind of sad to me being a believer that I feel more comfortable calling a atheist uh, show <laughs> than what's supposed to be a you know good Christian boy show like these. So I mean, I thank y'all for y'all's time and all. Absolutely, because we're the nice show. We're the nice show. Boy. You've cho- you have chosen well. <laughs> Um, in 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 choosing the show, but all I would say is, look, the minute we start generalizing too much about a group of people and and you know what their attributes are or are not, it, you know, it it tends to be more divisive and kind of in a way plays into some of the reasons why the, the political scene is as it is at the moment because people feel disenfranchised when you know generalizations are made and they're made in a way that they don't feel reflects reflects what they think. So that's all I would say on on what you on what you're saying but i oh, appreciate yeah, that you're absolutely you, right though. i appreciate that you have enjoyed the the tone the friendly accommodating tone especially since you said at the beginning that you thought i'd give you a hard time did i give you a hard time yeah, you did you i did, did. <laughs> so, uh, thank you for that i'm i'm gonna get the sack this is no it's all right you're in the right place john we're gonna move on to the next <laughs> okay. caller but thank you for calling in yeah thank you yeah thank have a good you. day that was nice he's lovely right i want to give him a cuddle well, so um, am I allowed to do that? Uh, Probably uh, legal reasons why. Well, so so the the key phrase here, yeah, is enthusiastic consent. Yes, yes. If he comes and wants to cuddle with I'm you, I'm enthusiastic, but he needs to give consent. Yes, and okay. and and if he's enthusiastic as well, I wish you the absolute best. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> so uh, our call screener, Paul. Um, I I would love to ask if we can keep this line open uh, for. Truth matters. Uh, we have a troll that we've had for months who likes dun, who, who dun, likes hopping dun. into the live chat and uh, uh, wants to stomp around and cry. But uh, we're holding a spot for you. Five one two six eight six zero two seven nine. Can we put the way to call online just in case this person lives outside of the United States in the chat? Um, put your money where your mouth is. Or honestly, we're just going to call you out for being the whiny little bitch you are. Um, we're a friendly Mark, show. In Italy. You're talking to Eric and Lloyd. How are you doing? <laughs> Hello. Nice to meet you, Eric. Hi. Hello, fellow European. <laughs> Sorry. My English, of course, I'm not my speaker. <laughs> yeah, I don't want you to speak it, but you're a fellow European. <laughs> yes, I understand. Yeah. So, I'm very happy to call. I've been watching a lot of the, your videos, Lloyd, <laughs> and I've been watching the... Okay, then, that is experience for, um, I guess, one year. Oh, rock on. I've been watching a lot of... Uh, I've also been watching a lot of, uh, like, clips on YouTube, so it's very, very happy to call. And it says here that you're I a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> Correct? Yes, I was a Jehovah's Witness. Oh, you were a Jehovah's Witness? Uh, yeah, I was, yeah. Okay. Are, do you still believe? I, or are you an atheist? No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm uh, what uh, Lloyd Luke. 
would call uh, faded. I mean, and not to disfellowship, and not to yeah. So he's not formally severed ties. He's kind exactly. of below the radar, as I was when I was operating under, under the name John Cedars. So he's kind of, as far as some of those who knew him are concerned, he might still be a JW, basically. Got yeah. it. Okay. Um, exactly. So actually, I, I I've been a faded for like twenty years. So mm. yeah, okay, most people don't even see me like that anymore. I mean, nobody in my workplace and all that. I walk and I'm completely out. Yeah. So it it sounds like you want to talk about a a Christian apologetic from the Christian end, though. Yes. Um, So here's the thing, Mark. Um, I I tend to shy away from atheists talking about Christians when there's not a Christian here just because it inevitably creates a straw man. Um, I would love to hear you two talk about it and present it because if this is something that's unique to, to Jehovah's Witnesses and can help people, absolutely. Um, I just don't want to put on my Christian hat in order to do that. I'd rather save the space on the line for one of them to call in, right? Um, okay. I mean, I, I don't understand exactly what you said. Sorry. But I guess, I mean, I guess I, basically I, we're, we're I, trying to make this as relevant as possible to as many people as possible. Yeah. And if it's like a niche issue that is only impacting on, I don't know, Christians arguing with Christians, which it usually is the case with the Trinity. I mean, for those who don't know, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses are one of only a small number of denominations that denounce the Trinity and say that, that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are separate yeah. people stroke entities. So, And that riles a lot of, of sort of mainstream Christians who say that for that reason, Jehovah's Witnesses shouldn't be considered Christian, etc., etc. It's not really something that lots of people are going to be interested in. So with that in mind, is, it, is this still a question that you're anxious to um, have addressed? Well, yes, because, I mean, uh, first of all, I, I would like to know what you think about it. I mean, when you were a job as written, what did you think about this? Thing? I mean, it was something that it was, as they say, impossible, logical, or did you think uh, that uh, it was somehow, like, logical at least? Is, is this, are we talking about the Trinity teaching? Yes. And, and could I ask whether you are um, a believer in the Trinity teaching? Yes. Okay. So, so here's my thing with the Trinity, and, and this was pretty much how I felt even as a JW. Um, and I understand that Christians watching this may disagree, that's fine. I think that you can find verses in the Bible to support the Trinity, and I think that you can find verses in the Bible that uh, contradict the idea of the Trinity. So which which verses, this is one of the problems, of course, of the Bible, is that you have a contradictory book, uh, a, a book with contradictory writings in it, which is exactly what you would expect to find of a man-made book, by the way. Um, but it's, it's entirely subjective as to as to which interpretation you attach to these verses. If you want to say, oh, well, the verses that describe the Trinity are true um, and the other ones aren't, fine, that's your choice. If you want to say the opposite, fine, that's your choice. But again, it's not something that the vast majority of of people watching are probably that interested in because they realize it's just a personal thing. It's not like a profound um, question of truth. I actually find that to be intellectually dishonest. Oh, well, I, I mean, it, it is. Uh, I well, think I'm intellectually dishonest. No, no, no. Uh, cherry picking which verses you want to yeah, accept well, and course, not the yeah. others. Sorry. Right. <laughs> wow. I thought, I, I thought I'm, We're I'm about really to go doing, out back and fight. I am really doing badly on this show. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good, brother. Um, 
Yeah. So what I was saying is because after I stopped being a Jewish witness or going to the meetings and well, I I consider myself an atheist for at least like eighteen or nineteen years. It's only recently that I started to believe again. Yeah. And the reason that I started to believe again is exactly because somehow I understood the what it is the Trinity. Because I mean, of course, I have no proof. I have no 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 evidence to provide because there is there could there, there can't be one. Yes, there can be. There can't be. So, okay, so, so then if, if there can't be evidence for something, then why believe it in the first place? Because it, 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 it can explain exactly why the universe is, is in this way, it's in this position. It can explain why... No, it can't. So, so something that is indistinguishable from nothing at all can't be an explanation for anything. If, okay, I, if, uh, if, if I reach into a box and pull out a nothing... And I say, this nothing is going to drive me home. Are you going to believe me? Okay. How about if I said no, that this absolutely. nothing that I'm holding is the uh, actually okay, let, the instantiation of the universe? Uh, you you actually okay, need to show some the, causal pieces and okay. show that it let exists. Sure. Would you would you agree that at least theoretically or logically, the God that of the Bible or anyway, if a God exists? He exists outside of time, outside of space. No, it, it just doesn't. Mean. Here's the problem. Um, it, it probably matters to you for reasons that are personal to you. Doesn't matter to Eric. Doesn't matter to me because we don't see any value in make, in making those reaching those conclusions if there isn't any evidence at all to back them up. And even even if we granted your premise, you have by definitionally become illogical, right? What is outside of space? What is outside of time? That's, that's the point. Set theory would dictate that all things that exist would exist within that set. Exactly. But if there is a God, wouldn't he be outside of space? No. If there is, okay, so if I am God, would I have existed outside? Who gives a fuck? Who cares? I can do this about everything, right? I, I could say, you know, actually, before the uh, instantiation of the universe, uh, Lloyd drifted through space and time. He stood upon the surface of the waters. I, Absolutely. Yeah. Is that valuable in any way? No. Does it make life no. more meaningful for you? Does it add anything at all to your appreciation of existence? I, I really struggle personally. But hey, I'm not going to say that you're not entitled to think that. It's just the problem comes when you expect Absolutely. other people to that, think about the this that's the way you think about it. When it can't be supported by evidence, every, every religion, every religion is wrong because every religion. Is yeah, every religion is wrong. <laughs> other people. Now, every religion is wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Th that said, to other people. That's all good. That said, we we do have a couple other callers we want to get to before the end of the show. Okay. But thank you for calling in all the way from sunny Italy. Absolutely. Assuming it's sunny. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Wonderful. Thank you. Take care. So this is the part of the show where we actually thank our patrons. Um, yes. The Atheist Community of Austin is a 501c3. You're not my patrons, but I still respect you. <laughs> well, what they're <laughs> contributing to is some really good yeah. work. Not only does it help keep the lights on and be able to bring people like you here, which is amazing, um, it's also able to contribute to amazing organizations like the Foundation Beyond Belief and um, other just incredible philanthropic works 
and empowering other atheists to go out in their communities and help. Um, if you like what we do, if you want to be able to see that, it, um, please consider becoming a patron. Uh, Patreon.com slash talkheathen to me. That's patreon.com slash talkheathen to me, where I name the top five patrons every week. And I want to thank Charlotte Crum, Desert Heathen, Bethany P., Dr. Funkenstein, and Kamal. Yeah. A Thank ripple you. of applause has broken out in the Freethought Library. That's right. Thank you so much for becoming our top patrons. If you would like to become a patron, patreon.com slash talkheathen to me. And now that I have that out of the way, let's go with Jessica in Mississippi. Oh my gosh, am I on? You are. Oh my gosh. I've been waiting and trying to get through before. Okay, wow. I can't believe it. Hi, Eric. Hi, Lloyd. Hello. Um, this is fabulous. By the way, you have a lovely voice. And, um, and Eric, you look pretty cute. So anyway, um, <laughs> long, long story short, I'm going to give you, I'm giving you the quick 60-second background. Okay, I'm a theist. I'm a longtime, lifelong Christian. I grew up, you know, going to lots of different Protestant churches as my family moved. But then eventually, as I kept running away from my own truth, I'm LGBT, I got deeper and deeper into the most um, intense forms of Christianity. I became Orthodox Christian, Russian Orthodox. So, you know, super intense. But I was still hiding and repressing and, and I wasn't questioning anything about faith. But when I finally came out um, about five years ago, I was completely ostracized and shunned and everybody turned their back on us, including my family even. And that caused the impetus for me to start, you know, going through all the stages of grief or whatever. But I was saying, you know, do I believe this? You know, how can this be something that I have never examined before? So I got really intense into questioning and doubting and I've been doing that. And I got, I found your show and some other things a few years ago because I wanted to get the other perspective. I wanted to see something more than just what I'd always been taught. Mm-hmm. So coming to the question is, and, um, oh, and I'm, and I'm trans. Which is another reason why a lot of people, um, I think turned their back on me. But um, anyway, uh, I feel like rationally, it just doesn't make sense anymore. And I understand the reasons why. And I feel like, I could walk away, but I'm really, I'm really freaking scared. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, like those verses, like if you deny me before God, I'll deny you before the father. And it's like, shit, I, you know, what am I going to do? And I don't know anymore what to do about mm. that. It's like, how, how do I get out of this stasis of fear, you know? And, 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 um, I mean, I'm, I'm very much quiet about this. I've only told a few um, non-believer friends and they're kind of like, well, don't say anything and don't get your family upset at you and all this. But I feel like it's like the longer I keep putting off this, the harder and harder it is, but I'm still scared to make that step. Well, so so, thanks. Oh, big hugs first off. Um, Thanks. So you're getting love rings from the back room. And a lot of warm, fuzzy smiles from the studio audience. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I think there are two issues, if I understand. The, there's the, the very kind of um, stark uh, issue or you could say dilemma that you're facing about 
you know, you, you've come to these realizations and, and what do you do about them and how do you, um, how do you extricate yourself from something that's no longer working for you? And you also have the kind of deeply ingrained kind of psychological um, residue, for want of a better word, that's that's been kind of gnawing away at you and um, and is making you have doubts. So those were almost two kind of different issues because uh, obviously if, if something's no longer working for you, uh, I mean, obviously shunning kind of complicates things, but you, you should be able to kind of just get out of something that's no longer working. But um, when, when we're talking about kind of indoctrination and um, especially over many, many years, which is what you're describing, it can affect people in profound ways. And, and if that is, if that describe, if I've described your situation, all I'll say is don't expect too much of yourself. It's okay to heal at your own pace. Um, there are resources available, um, the um, Freedom From Religion Foundation and various different initiatives that have been set up to, to help people who are in exactly your situation. Um, but but again, th- this isn't a race. Um, you will get there. It might never be a case that you completely purge yourself of all of the nasty kind of residues of your indoctrination, it might just be the case that you reach a point in your life where you're able to look back and say, you know what, I I moved past that. I'm okay with this. It's no longer impacting me on a day-to-day basis and I can move on and lead a happy, meaningful life. It may be that you're not there yet, but there are many, many people on your side who want to help you get there. Absolutely. Couldn't have been said better. Thank you. Can I have my job back Yeah, uh, Yeah, you're rehired. <laughs> um, it, so it sounds, Jessica, that you already know. It's scary. It's super scary. And it's like, it's even harder now because after we got rejected by the Orthodox Church, you know, we stumbled around and I wasn't going to go to any church. And I looked into, I was really into Zen Buddhism for just like a, a while. And I, I think there's a lot of good secular things about Buddhism, you know, without any of the woo. But it's like, we're in an Episcopal church. It's really welcoming and affirming and all that. So that makes it even harder now because it's like, I look around, I see them being kind to everybody. And, and it's like, so all the good things, you know, are really nice. But then I look deeper and I look at a lot of the other things that, like, like Lloyd just said, that I've taken on board all my life. And it's like, that just, that's just kind of weird and crazy. And why did I believe that? And, you know, why am I still holding on and why am I scared to walk away? You know, it's like, if am I afraid that I'm going to get damned forever? Maybe. I don't know. Well, I mean, so the extra sucky thing is um, there are no guarantees. We don't, you know, when it comes to the way we understand whether or not something is true, it's in probabilities. It's, it's in likelihood uh, and of being true. Um, I don't think either of us would say that there's a way to actually get to capital T truth. Um but what I would contend is part of that scariness is that dark drop. Um, and I want to tell you that right now there is more community online than there ever has been. And sometimes now is the best time to be in your situation yeah. historically. Sometimes knowing that you have people you can talk to is 
incredibly potent. If you haven't checked out our Discord or found a Facebook group or found a local skeptic atheist group, or if one of those is maybe too far away or you don't want to, um, there are other places to get communities. Join a club or, or you know, follow the whatever hobbies. Find people, quite frankly, who will love you for who you are, not who they expect you to be. And and you said before that the, the church that you are in is welcoming. I would suggest they're not welcoming at all if if the love that they extend comes with caveats and it comes with strings attached. That's not true love. That's conditional love. Yeah. And you want to get yourself away from that as quickly as possible. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like, you know, I, I mean, on the surface, people are very friendly and that kind of thing. But then you get into the doctrines of the faith and it's like, it just, uh, it's pretty harsh. Mm. And... So it's just the scariness, I guess, of walking away. And um, I really thank you guys. Um, Absolutely. It means a lot. I can't believe that I got through. And yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll call you back again sometime. I, for the record, yeah. I also want to hug Jessica. Is that allowed? With, with, okay. with, Absolutely. Jessica, do you consent for me to hug you? Oh, I have full consent. I, I, I love you guys. <laughs> then big I'll hug hugs. you both. Group hug. Group Absolutely. <laughs> it, it, o- over time it does get easier yeah. it just takes time and I, I can tell you that I'm not saying that out of my ass I, I see people here at the atheist community of Austin all of the time who have found themselves in various parts of that journey exactly and over time it gets easier but I think um, I, I think that advice from earlier of some self-compassion is advised and warranted download this show and play it to yourself 10 years from now. <laughs> I guarantee you'll be feeling different. Oh, wow. With that said, I Thank think we're... Thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we're going to move on to the next caller, but I'm really glad that we got to talk to you, Jessica. Great. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Lloyd. Thank you. Bye. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Dean. Dean, what are you calling in for? Hey! <laughs> um, I actually want to talk about something different than the Kalam. Yay! Something that you and I have talked about. Is this the legendary Kalam guy? Uh, at your, uh, <laughs> whose name is spoken uh, in hushed tones. No. <laughs> no. Okay. No. 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 Not even. Not even close. No. This is um, this is the guy that slept on my couch. So, oh, right, okay. So <laughs> something that that we talked about at your apartment where I visited was uh, philosophy of mind. And okay. granted, this is a new area of study for me, and so I just wanted ask a couple questions of you guys who are on the opposite side of where I probably start out. Sure. So, um, just just so what, that, just for my own knowledge, um, are, are you going to be talking about qualia? Um, no. Well, okay. I, I actually, I don't even know because I don't know that much about philosophy of mind. Okay, go ahead. Um, my, my question is, when it comes to things like consciousness, uh, does that deal with qualia? Um, it can. Uh, let's let's okay. yeah. Let's 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 go down the road here. Let's okay. So it seems to me like if I was on an operating table and someone was doing brain surgery on me, they could bust open my skull, they could look at my brain, and they could access the physical matter that makes up my brain. Um, but one of the traditional arguments of Christianity, and maybe even just theism in general is while they could bust open and see the physical gray matter of my brain, they couldn't see my thoughts, that there is this piece of the way that 
we are that is outside of the physical. What if we could? Part of do what? Detect people's thoughts. Detect what they're specifically thinking. I said detect people's thoughts. Are, 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 are we changing the goalposts? Well, no. I, what I mean to say is, what I mean to say is that only I can know what I'm specifically thinking. They could probably see the activity of the brain on a CT scan or right. something like that. Would you agree that that is the... Or that this person is thinking... Yeah, and, and would you agree that that is the physical manifestation of those thoughts? That is what is causing those thoughts? That is seeing them in action? Sure, I think I think you could concede to a degree that those are, that's the physical chemical firing, but you don't know specifically what I'm thinking, you know, in that moment, specifically those thought patterns. Those, so those so, are those are very separate things. Those no, that's, ve- what I'm, that's what I'm yeah. saying. I'm saying that my thoughts are are the only person that can actually access my thoughts are me. I kind of disagree it, with you there because a lot of your thinking goes on on a subconscious level. So you don't necessarily know what what's going on in your brain all the time. But my my point is that there is a first person perspective when it comes to things like intentionality, when it comes to things like um, self-reflection that I can't access by just looking at the physical matter of my brain. I guess that's my point. And so how does, how does naturalism account for that aspect of consciousness? So, um, yeah, you're talking about qualia. Um, and you can't ever truly know what it is to be any other person or any other living thing. Now, please tell me why that matters or how that matters or how that in any way provides any kind of, who cares? I, I guess my, I guess my, my question is... That's like um, saying I wear boots. You know, I, I, yes, you have I'm going to be completely honest. This is boring. But I, <laughs> I love this. Honestly, this is my jammy jams. I, I know. I, can it's I kind of zone boring. out? At this point? Yeah, you can absolutely. I don't know what if it's a matter of it's boring. I don't know why that matters. No, because 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 we have to keep this interesting for people. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so yeah, <laughs> fair enough, Lloyd. Fair enough. You're hired. Um, so Dean, um, I, yeah, the 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 response there is who cares. Why does that? Why is that relevant? And I know that you're just exploring it, and so I'd love to find what your response yeah. to it is. Study it. Give give us a call, or uh, give me a call. And we can throw up another video up on um, that's, that's that other channel. Um, so that other channel that shall not be named. Um, so I guess it would. I guess the only reason, and I guess I'm running out of time, but I think it it would matter in the sense that um, if if you're a materialist, then the the idea of this taking place seems to be at at odds with materialism. Not even materialism not even remotely. But so let's all states that exist as material. Yeah, and you're talking about a process, right? So you're confusing the map to the place and the place. Those are two different things. It's like when you're talking about taste, you can you can follow your taste buds and, and the activation of different things and, and how that interacts with your brain. And it is I I know. <laughs> and we can we can map all of that out. Do I need to know how you taste a thing to understand that your brain processed it? You're talking about a process. But I'm that's what I'm asking. I'm asking what is the what what's the naturalistic I just told you. Maybe a process of 
the the first person experience I have with my thoughts, the aboutness or the ofness of my thoughts. Again, um, Dean, you're appealing to smoke. What the <laughs> hell are you talking about? It's it doesn't matter, dude. You experience yourself, and that is that is a process that is ongoing, right? And and when you die, that process stops. It is the state of your brain right now. It, that that is that is you. That is your consciousness. And we can test it. We can prod it. We can poke it. We can damage it. We can see all of these different ways that it interacts. We can reliably, you know, see how it relates to different parts of your body. And the more we learn about it, the more we're finding that it absolutely is an incredible mechanism. There's nothing bad about the fact that we're learning about it. It doesn't demean it no, no. That, that it's entirely guided by naturalistic purposes, to, but uh, by naturalistic means. Um, but to say, well, how do you account for what? Who cares? Well, I, I guess I, I, I'm asking how do you account for this thing called consciousness? I just told you. Yeah, I just told you. But with you that said, said... You said who cares? No, I, I, I said I described the process and that is what the process is. If you think that there is more to it, please feel free to uh, give a call back or uh, give me a call later this week. Yeah. We'll, we'll work it out. Anyway, we're going to move on to the next caller okay. though. Thank you, Dean. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. You, do you have to do that like every show, like stuff like that? Yes. Oh, good grief. <laughs> I, I don't think I want to work. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Um, we do have more callers, though. Okay. And everyone on the line, we are going to talk to you. Uh, Cal in Missouri, you're live. With Hi, American how's it going? Hey. Thanks for taking my call. Hello, hello. Uh, what did you want to talk about today? So I, um, to slap the label on right away, I'm an atheist. Um, have been um, for the better part of a decade. Um, but I grew up uh, for the first 20 years of my life in a very, very conservative Lutheran household um, in which my father was a minister. Um, and so uh, most of the concepts of theism I've kind of shed and aren't really impacting my life anymore. But one piece of baggage that I'm still carrying with me and I can't drop is the fact that um, a significant amount of my well-being, specifically financially, um, throughout my life, um, we weren't rich. He wasn't a televangelist or anything crazy like that, but it was a healthy middle-class lifestyle. And realizing in my adult life that a lot of that, all of my, the food on my table, uh, the clothes that I was wearing, the house that I was uh, in, um, the college that I got to go to that then eventually led me down the way to atheism was paid for significantly by delusional tithing. Um, and I guess my question to you guys is, is this struggle of, me being in this point in my life where I am and having that kind of be sitting on the shoulders of religion, is that worth my time to care about? Um, no. Or is it something that I should just cut off and forget about and move on from and, and just forget? Move on from it pretty fast. And I can go one better than that because I, as you may know, I'm a former Jehovah's Witness and I'm now an activist and I speak out quite openly against the organization um, I'm also a father and a husband, and I know my wife because I met her because we were both Jehovah's Witnesses. I owe my marriage to the fact that we were both Jehovah's Witnesses, and guess what? That marriage has so far yielded two children. So my two girls would not exist if not for the fact that I was once a Jehovah's Witness. Does that make Jehovah's Witnesses not an abusive, exploitative, manipulative group? No. That they still are. Something good came out of something bad doesn't mean the thing that it came out of isn't bad. 
it's just the the way things work. You, you can find positives anywhere. It doesn't justify again a corrupt, abusive group. And it sounds like your upbringing, you know, while it may not have been identical to mine, there were abusive elements to it. I mean, absolutely. I, well, yeah. No, keep going. Yeah. No, that's pretty much it. I mean, do do you agree? No, absolutely. And mm. the thing I wanted to say is, I mean, this is exactly what I think a show like this is designed to do. I've never heard that viewpoint from anyone I've talked to before. Um, I haven't met um, a lot of folks in my life um, that have either been uh, the son or daughter of a minister and have gone through this path um, or have had that same analysis. I thought I was struggling with my, uh, you know, the, the cascading effects of religion on my life. But you, the points you just made, I think, completely um, supersede mine. I think that's that that's the exact kind of mentality that I was trying to Dick Why can't uh, every caller be like this? They ask a question, <laughs> we answer it, and everyone goes home happy. Right? <laughs> well, and I do have to say, um, not the previous caller, Dean, but I believe it was Jessica or Jennifer that called previously. I mean, this is what they showed about, right? It's yeah. helping people trying to fight through this stuff. And hopefully just helping people process things because actually don't think in any way that because we've we've come up with an answer fairly quickly that that doesn't mean it's not a good question it's an excellent question and it it, it is something that i've kind of grappled with hang on all of these you know 90% of the good things in my life have come about because i was once a jehovah's witness but again that doesn't make jehovah's witnesses a good a good deal they're a really really crummy deal um you you just and here's another one here's another um example um, one of my, let me back up, World War One. my great-great-grandmother lost her first husband because he was killed in World War One, and remarried who, someone who became my great-great-grandfather. So if it wasn't for World War One, I, I wouldn't be alive. Does that make World War One a positive thing? Does it make war a positive thing? <laughs> Clearly, it doesn't. It's just you well, know. I think it was like a fool. These are cosmic <laughs> issues, and you know, we we just we roll the dice, or time rolls the dice, and and things fall as they do. But it, again, it doesn't make a, a bad thing a good thing. And also, it doesn't put that in your sphere. You know, you did not choose to be born in the family that you were born into. You know, taking on and holding water, carrying water for somebody else. Um, it 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 hurts, and no one's no one's holding you accountable for the actions of your father. Mm. I mean, I, I think we have some amazing, you know, atheist speakers um, who have come out of fundamentalist religions, uh, several of whom are hosts, um, and several of whom, you know, do the circuits. The uh, um, oh, help me out here. You're on your own. The here. children of Fred Phelps, Megan yep. Phelps Roper, Westboro Baptist. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, th- th- those, I mean, should we hold them accountable and shun them and shame them? And no, um, I, I, this appears to be the theme throughout the show: self-compassion, my friend. Yeah, allow yourself to heal. Don't take, don't allow yourself or force yourself to take responsibility for things that were completely out of your control, just because they yielded one or two positives. And I gotcha. And to quickly pivot off that, I've got three nephews under the age of five. They're about to approach the age of indoctrination. My family is still um, heavily invested in that sort of thing. Do you have any advice as kind of the um, the torch-bearing atheist um, to potentially um, get in front of that indoctrination so that 25, 30 years down the road, my nephews aren't struggling with the same concept that I'm struggling with? Absolutely. Be a good person. Yeah. Be the exact opposite of what they're expecting you to be. Uh, or the stereotype that's been carved out for you. And if you can show that 
that what they're saying about non-believers is entirely untrue and that you are actually in some ways perhaps even a better person than they are, then the children will pick up on that. That you know, kids are smart, they'll figure this out. And, you know, doing that, being a resource, being open, you know, it doesn't have to be that you're ready to tear everything down to save them. Um, because as they grow up as thinkers, knowing that they have a resource that they can talk to is incredibly important. And being that physical body that, that like you said, is an exemplar, um, it, it, it's what changes things. Mm. Things like this show, the conversations, that's fantastic. But it's not going to be until everyone gets to know an atheist or see that atheists are just regular people um, that we're going to have that change. So if you can, do. And if you can't, we understand. But with that said, I think we're going to yeah, move that, on to the next call. Yeah, absolutely. You, you've, you've covered everything. I don't want to take any more time. Other people need to say important things. So I appreciate all that you do. Um, and thank you for the advice. And I'll uh, tune in next week to keep watching. Please Sounds do. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Shalev in Washington. You're live with Eric. Hi. And hey, what did you want to talk about today? <laughs> I have a common theme that tends to come up with some of my theist family. And I seem to have a hard time having the conversation. So I'm hoping I can get some ideas from you. Okay. Okay. So I can have this conversation pretty well with my Christian family, but I have a hard time having the same conversation with my Jewish family. Okay. So typically we'll get into things of how can we have a good God when there's so much evil in the world? And then they bring up the, then they bring up the, sorry. They bring up the concept of, oh, well, there's evil in the world because of free will. Okay. And I can do that conversation with Christianity because I grew up with that. I didn't really grow up with Judaism. Sure. You, you can't use the heaven example. No, you're with it. Huh? You can't use the heaven example. No. <laughs> um, so, well, there, there are a couple ways to go. Do you want to jump in on this? So, free, free will... It, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I almost made it all the no. way to the end of the show, sounding remotely coherent you, and you, fallen you, apart. You've been fantastic. We're, Lloyd.exe is broken down. <laughs> we're saving you for AXP. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Okay, so... Um, I'll riff off you. Absolutely. So let's say you have a child and uh, you, you want to give that child autonomy. Does that mean that you would let them play in traffic? Okay, I see where you're going with this. I mean, okay. you could not say, and I've heard the argument said, well, if God were to do anything to stop that, it would impinge upon your free will. But we live in a physical world that has rules. I can't jump up and fly like Superman. That is also impinging on my free will, isn't it? I can't breathe I mean, underwater. I think so. I, I, I think it would be awesome if I could fly. Right? It would be fucking amazing. And hey, that would, wouldn't that be a better uh, free will to have? And so if, if, mm -hmm. if we're putting, you know, that in perspective, then I think that you can absolutely point out that w they can think whatever they want about God, but that mm -hmm. God set some pretty fucked up lines because what they did is they lined out and said, you know what, um, I'm definitely going to still allow child cancer. I'm still going to yeah. allow suffering and pain. What if, what if just a skinned mm -hmm. knee was enough, a bloody nose, right? If that was as bad as it got, that'd be pretty awesome. You could, you'd still have free will. And how about the... Um, yeah. And, and, and you, you can go on these other examples. Um, there are examples in uh, Torah, I believe, of people denying, you know, God being denied with evidence of that God right in front of them. Isn't there? I believe we can... There is, but that, also, that 
that is free will, though. Oh, so again, all the way across, um, that free that the, they're using free will, like they're free, they're using their free will to deny God. Right. I guess, and, I guess my issue with it all, and I, I, it has come to me now, sure. is the time, the time element. So we're supposed to respect a God who's who's running this kind of twisted game where he he makes this creation and he gives them free will so that they can prove how inept they are and in order to get meaningful results from this experiment he needs to allow thousands well not just thousands but tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of years depending on how old you accept humans are you know, this is not an elegant, in any way, shape, or form, uh, solution for anything. I, I mean, how how are we supposed to respect a god who would run such a twisted, messed up Sims-style experiment, creating something just to watch it fail? You don't know the plan. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, so it, that, that it could be the reason I said that is because it could be that they're Devil's just up, trying yeah. to shut down the conversation. Right. And um, if somebody doesn't want to have a conversation, they're not going to have that conversation. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Right. Um, but if you if you are pushing and you are seeing an honest discourse, hopefully that helps. Um, the the idea about free will, knowing that God exists, is showing that God can intervene directly. And yet, what do we have? Right. Um, so it, usually the conversation is. Basically, the reason that all this terrible things happen in the world is because people have free will and people have messed everything up. And therefore, that's why you have babies dying in Africa and so on and so forth. Well, that's convenient, isn't it? No, yeah, it's inconvenient. It. I'd love to skinned knee to be the worst thing that happens. I'd love for kids not to die of fucking cancer. But, I'd love for but, people but, not uh -huh. to starve and be tortured and tormented and experience assault and all of these horrible what, things. What we're seeing what we're seeing is exactly what we would expect to see if humans weren't created by God, but in fact did evolve over hundreds of thousands of years, if not millions of years, depending on how far you want to go back. We are seeing exactly the sort of suffering and injustice that you would expect to see if there was no God involved, which takes us back to what we were saying earlier, that if you have an explanation for how all these things happened, and your explanation happens to be, hey, there's this this toy maker in the sky who creates this game and, and we're all parts of this, this bizarre spectacle, where is your evidence for it? So uh, with or without heaven or the Christian angle, I, I, I can never be convinced by the free will argument. I, I, I think the simulation example probably gives me something to go off of. Mm, yeah, the, the hard solipsism. Have a better conversation. Um, and how about, I don't think that there's free will, period. Yeah. I'm not sure that there actually is free will, but, but this is usually the argument that's brought up. Sure. Um, probably that wouldn't go down. Probably that wouldn't be compelling to, you know, if you were arguing. No, I'd have, to, Jewish. Yeah. I'd have to go into a... Yeah. The existence of the soul and all that stuff. But yeah. Just, yeah. just saying. Um, but oh. with, with that, um, I think we're going to move on. Hopefully that helped. Yes, it, it did. At least, at least gives me a direction to go with this person next time that comes up. Who was better, Eric or me? What? Sorry, Who was better, Eric or me, in answering your question? Oh, okay. Don't. Okay. Wh why would you do? Yeah, yeah, no. Shalav is just gently trying, backing just toward you're, the door. You're trying to influence him now. <laughs> Who was better, Eric or me? All right, okay. Yep, exactly. Shalav, have a wonderful day. Thank you for calling in. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to get some 
kudos there. You just cut me off. Uh, you were making them uncomfortable. I know, but, you know, I want to feel valued in this show. Lloyd? Yeah. I value you. You do. We have an amazing audience who came and packed this building who value yeah. you. They're, they're amazing, yeah. We, we have, uh, you know, all of these people who are watching online or who are going to continue to see this online as a resource and go, who is that guy? And how can I learn more about him and his book, The Reluctant Apostate by Lloyd Evans? And how would they, you know, dude, yeah, you're doing good work. Thank you. <laughs> Have we run out of callers? Well, you know, I, what, I, what I will say about running out of callers is um, we've never shut down trolls on, uh, on our YouTube live chat and our um, you know, the discourse underneath, unless it's really nasty. In which case we order a drone strike. Well, <laughs> well like, like doxing yeah. and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, that said, um, I gave someone the opportunity to, uh, to speak you up. You did. And, you um, offered it up on a plate. I, right, and we, we kept the line open. Yeah. That said... Did that person show up? They did not. But you can show up, you can give us a call... If you want to talk to us, we'll take the time every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central. Uh, but right now, we, we, have to, we have to thank a couple people because it's gotten toward the end. But first, uh, can we get to the crew cam in the back? There is there our Look crew. Look at those fine people. We would not have, we, we cannot do this without them. work and with many monitors in front of them. And who were here before we got here and will yeah. leave after we leave. They will leave to make when it's this dark. Happen. Yeah. Volunteering Late. their time. Yeah. Thank you so much. Want to say thank you to the live studio audience for coming out. Yeah. Fine, Can't wait to meet people. you. And um, so we're going to throw up some love rings. Let's see if Silas has got me. Ready, Silas? All right. That was flawless. Seamless. <laughs> we're, we're working on it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so here, here's the part where I'm going to make you uncomfortable. Do you? You said you watched the show, and I'm I'm really grateful. So you do know how to how we sign off every show, right? Ever since the beginning of the show. No. I, to be honest, no, I don't. I mean, I can give you some time to remember if you want. I, I prefer to do it in my own original <laughs> way. <laughs> How about we do it together? So we start by uh, shooting out a message to atheists, to people who don't believe. And we say, you know what? We're building this community and we're doing it together. And yeah. We're glad that you fucking made it. Um, thank you so much. Strong words. <laughs> and to those of you who do believe, this is the part where we, uh, in unison, say, we don't hate you. We just think you're wrong. You got it? Two, three. We, we don't, don't hate, hate you. you. We just, just think, think you're, you're wrong. wrong. <laughs> that was awesome, man. Thank you so much.